how good is it to have these kids up here singing with us? I heard them in that second song. It was, that was great. Um, yes, so my family's not here this morning. Um, we've, we've got a few who are sick. And when we told them that they weren't coming today and they realized they weren't singing, tears, y'all, tears. I mean, it was, so they are, they are, they lo- they, they are, they were so excited. So you got to do it again because they weren't here. Um, and so thank you guys so much for all you do to disciple our kids through music. That's just um, theology being built into their hearts and, um, and knowing Christ through that. So, um, uh, man, it is good to be here to open God's word together uh, as, a, as a church body. Uh, earlier when I was meeting with the deacons, um, they were just discussing a few things. And, um, and Chuck Watson was saying, you know, we've got communion today, and we also have the second string preacher as well. So um, that is my place, and I am, I am, I'm excited to uh, open God's word, and um, I, I do relish the opportunity. I love what, um, what 2 Timothy 2.15 says. When Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's, he says, uh, Timothy, rightly divide the word of truth. He encourages them, rightly divide the word of truth. So that's how I see this. I love to open God's word and, and just dissect it, just unpack it, see all the wonders and the, and the pleasures that God's word has for us his, in his promises, his instruction, his encouragement. And that's my prayer, is that as we open his word, we look at some verses this morning, we see his heart for us, and, and we grow closer to him. So um, we know that God has spoken to us through his word, and he intends for us to examine the scriptures to discover uh, truly the matchless worth of knowing Christ. And if you know Christ this morning, then you know it is a matchless worth. Nothing, nothing compares to knowing Christ in a personal relationship. So mentioned, we already mentioned this earlier, but the missions fair is next week. The Missions Fair at Mount Zion is, is our way to come together and renew our commitment to reach the nations with the gospel. It's, it's our way to go above and beyond what we're already doing to have an effort in uh, reaching the nations for Christ. All of our missions partners will be represented. So next week at 8.15 and 10.15, no one will come in here. We'll all go to the gym, and, and we're going to have um, a really great presentation from some of our missions partners who are going to be speaking, but we'll have booths, and, and I hope that you all go and, and visit and see uh, these booths and see how you can um, show them our love and see how we can boost their efforts through our love and support. And, uh, and with the missions fair next week, my goal with our text this morning is to show how God intends for his church to function as one global cooperative body to reach the nations. Under the command of Christ, there is one, one body with one mission. And so um, this morning, if you want to open your, your Bibles, we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, looking at verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5 say, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. In just a second, we're going to unpack all of this. We have communion later. Uh, but before we do, um, let's just spend a time in, in prayer. 
pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this opportunity to observe the Lord's Supper this morning, to consider your, your word. Father, to, to just be next to people whom you've redeemed, whom you've called out of darkness into your marvelous light. Father, to sing songs of worship, to see our little ones walking in the truth. Father, to, 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 to be in your spirit here at Mount Zion, ready. We are, we are poised for your spirit to come and, and fill this place as we learn and grow what it means to be one body in Christ, knowing that as we build up the body, it is a witness to the whole world of the matchless worth of Christ. So as we open your word, Lord, would you bless it? Would you uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear everything you have for us this morning? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So for context of these verses, I think it's important for us to understand that, that these verses fit into the broader section from verse 3 to verse 8. In verse 3, Paul explains that, that God has given each believer a particular measure of faith. This refers to what he's about to unpack in verses 4 and 5, that every believer has been given the ability or, or the faith needed to fulfill their own particular gift. And then in verse six, verses 6 through 8, Paul commands the, the Roman Christians to use their gifts. In verse 6, he says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So in Paul's thinking, it would be absolutely unthinkable to neglect the spiritual gift or, or the spiritual strength that God has given you. So as we think through our, our giftedness and how God has given us these um, spiritual endowments to build up the body, my appeal to us this morning is for us to think seriously about the gift that God has given each one of us and to put it into action, to exercise it. And maybe we need to dust off that gift that's been sitting on a shelf for a while and, and think seriously about the gift that he's given us and, and believe God to work in us. So what are the gifts that Paul is talking about? Look at the end of, of verse 6 through verse 8. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or, if, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So all these, this list, all these gifts are simply different functions or roles meant to be carried out within the body of Christ. So here at Mount Zion, there's, there's dozens of you with the gift of teaching. There's dozens of you with the gift of serving. Many of you have the gift of encouragement and, and so many more with, with God-given gifts like giving or uh, leading or hospitality, endless ways uh, in which God has endowed you with a spirit-wrought, blood-bought ability to serve God and others. So as we are thinking through the giftedness, you might be thinking, well, how do I know what is my gift? How do you know what is your, the giftedness that God has given you? I think a good way to uh, determine how God has gifted you is to simply ask yourself this question. Do you... What do you love to do in the faith? 
as you come to Mount Zion, as you serve here, or maybe in your walk as a believer, there's been certain things that you've really, really enjoyed doing. How has God worked in your heart to give you the affections for a particular type of ministry? What do you love to do in the body of Christ? Maybe it's holding babies in the nursery. Maybe it's teaching Sunday school. Maybe it's welcoming guests or, or, or writing encouraging letters. Or maybe it's visiting our shut-ins or maybe it's sharing your faith. So personally, uh, since I've become a believer, I've realized that I, I absolutely love to help people grow in their faith. Um, whether it's through counseling or small groups or intentional conversations or teaching and preaching, my greatest joy in the faith is to see others discover more and more joy in Christ. So when I'm sitting across the table from someone and I see their eyes lighting up over a passage of scripture that they've never seen before, right? Or they're, they're finally grasping what it means to live a gospel-centered life and, and share their faith. Or they're, maybe they're, they're coming to faith in that moment. That, that fuels me. I absolutely love it. What makes you the happiest in the faith? What, what gives you that sense of joy? So take your greatest faith love, whatever it is, and develop it. Put it, or excuse me, dust it off and exercise yourself, exercise the giftedness through the practice of your gift. So as we're considering these gifts, let's, let's look at how it fits within the body of Christ. Let's read our, our text again. Chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So Paul uses the human body in verse 4 as an analogy to help his readers understand the body of Christ in verse 5. Since Paul is using one to describe the other, I think it's really important that we understand what verse 4 is saying. So the beginning of verse 4 says, as we have many members in one body. The base of Paul's analogy is, is something we can all relate to. It's the human body. The word member specifically describes a part of the human body. It, it refers to limbs or organs, anything that makes up the body. All these various parts, they fit together and they comprise the human body. Now, um, I gave some notes to the kids out there, and I asked them to count how many times in the sermon I say body, so I'm already at like at least 20, so I hope you're really paying attention. I know the final, actually, I don't know the final amount because I kind of go off sometimes, but um, after the sermon, kids, I want you to tell me how many times I say that word, so um, you have an assignment. Uh, so the word member, it specifically describes a part of the human body. This is where Paul begins to build his argument. His aim is to point out the obvious fact that each part of the body, it does something different. The foot works differently than the stomach. The stomach works differently than the nose. At the end of verse 4, it says, but all the members, they don't have the same function. So our giftedness is, our giftedness is a part of God's design. And as we're, as we're thinking about our giftedness, let us not fight against the gifts that we have. Desiring a different gift. As we accept God's sovereign control in all circumstances in life, we should also accept his sovereign design in the gift that he's given you and I. So, for example, Julie is a gifted diaper changer. 
I would never want to stifle that giftedness in her by changing diapers. Uh, that, would, that would not be godly of me, right? Um, she truly has a gift there. Um, and as, as we're thinking about the dif- different giftedness, the word function literally means a deed, a practice, or, and simply put, it's, it's, it just means doing something. Every believer has a spiritual gift given to him by God at the moment of rebirth in him. This spiritual gift is meant to fulfill a particular function to build up the body of Christ. This is the idea of 1 Corinthians 12, 5-7. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Why is the manifestation of the Spirit given to each one? For the profit of all. So while all of our various gifts do not have the same function, they do serve the same purpose. To serve one another, to build up the body of Christ, and not to just end there. But to do that as a witness to the world of his surpassing greatness. Peter describes this in 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We've all received a gift, a spiritual endowment, and scripture commands us to be good stewards of that gift. A steward literally means a household manager. It's the idea of of someone faithfully and carefully directing the needs of a property. So God is saying, I've entrusted you with a responsibility to use your gift to build up my body for my glory and the salvation of the whole world. So, church, How are you ministering to other believers in the body of Christ with the gifts that you've been given? How are you ministering to other believers in the body of Christ with the gifts that you've been given? To better understand what scripture means by gifts, I think it's helpful to compare it to talents. Because it can be confusing if, if you're thinking this is just things you're good at already. One commentator puts it this way, a talent is the result of genetics and or training, while a spiritual gift is the result of the power of the Holy Spirit. A talent can be possessed by anyone, Christian or non-Christian, while spiritual gifts are only possessed by Christians. While both talents and spiritual gifts should be used for God's glory and to minister to others, spiritual gifts are focused on these tasks, while talents can be used entirely for non-spiritual purposes. So God has uniquely gifted every one of us to fulfill our ministry within his body. Last week, if you remember, Pastor Quentin taught us the steps of fulfilling our ministry from Colossians 4.17, which says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. He pointed out that fulfilling our ministry includes acknowledging his authority, accepting the assignment, and attaching our attention. So overall, I don't think we struggle with accepting the authority of God as much or accepting the assignment as much as we do attaching our attention to fulfilling our ministry. God has a ministry for us to fulfill according to our spiritual giftedness, but we must attach our attention to it to fulfill it. This is the same instruction Paul gave to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.14. 
Do not neglect this, the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy and the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Paul knew Timothy's giftedness was preaching the gospel. Paul's writing to his son in the faith and is like, Timothy, give your everything to your gift. Give it all. Give yourself entirely to it. Make whatever sacrifices are needed in order to exercise your gift to build up the body of Christ. This reminds me of, of the team that, that met at Avery Elementary this Friday to pack food for struggling families. I sent an email and they showed up. This was a simple opportunity in our community at Avery Elementary. An open door has been opened to us to simply help these struggling families by packing food in these backpacks and boxes and sending them home with their families. And so they're using this giftedness. They're exercising these, this giftedness. Maybe, maybe some of us have to dust it off, right? Pull it off the shelf, dust it off, and then use it, right? But we can do this, and, and we are commanded in Scripture to use our giftedness. Colossians 2.6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Similarly, just as you've received our spiritual gift from the Lord, every one of us, we should walk in that giftedness that God has given us. So next, I see at least two contexts for believers to manifest their gifts. Let's look at it real quick. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So first, all believers everywhere fit together unified in Christ as our source of identity, strength, and purpose. We, being many, are one body in Christ. This speaks to how unity in Christ, it supersedes all other allegiances or differences. Now, regarding the human body and the body of Christ, I love the way that this particular doctor, Dr. Brand, compares the complexity of the human body with each believer's function in the body of Christ. Dr. Brand writes, he says, chemically, my cells are almost alike, but visually and functionally, they are as different as animals in a zoo. Red, red blood cells, discs resembling lifesaver candies, voyage through my blood, loaded with oxygen to feed other cells. Muscle cells, which absorb so much of the nourishment, are sleek and supple, full of coiled energy. Cartilage cells, which are shiny black nuclei, look like bunches of black-eyed peas glued together for strength. Fat cells seem lazy and laden, like bulging white plastic garbage bags jammed together. He says, I never tire of viewing these varied specimens or thumbing through books which render cells. Individually, they seem puny and, and oddly designed. But I know these invisible parts cooperate to lavish me with the phenomenon of life. My body employs a bewildering zoo of cells, none of which individually resembles the larger body. Just so, Christ's body comprises an unlikely assortment of humans. Unlikely is precisely the right word, for we are decidedly unlike one another and the one we follow. He is the whole thing, and the joy of the body increases as individual cells realize that they can be diverse without becoming isolated outposts. Diversity in the body of Christ is designed not detrimental. In the next context that we see 
uh, is something that we might miss if you read too quickly. The end of verse 5 says, believers are individually members of one another. Individually members of one another. The idea is that in the body of Christ, we attach ourselves to each other, becoming members of one another. As members in Christ's body, we share a responsibility to care and serve for one another. The same word that, that he uses to describe our membership in the body of Christ, he uses to describe our membership, our responsibility, our attachment to each other in the body of Christ. As members of, of Christ's body, we share a responsibility to care and to serve one another. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Ephesians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. As members of one another, we belong to each other. We are responsible for each other. Now, most of us are probably, probably have in mind the people in this room when we're talking about bearing one another's burdens, rejoicing when, you know, they rejoice and, and so forth. I want to direct the application of this truth in a way that, that most of us probably are not thinking about. When we talk about being one body in Christ, that is not just referring to the local body here at Mount Zion, but Christ's global body of all believers. This is called the universal church, which is simply the name given to all saved believers. Wayne Grudem describes the universal, universal church as the community of all true believers for all time. And of this concept, we see in Ephesians 5.25, which says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. In this verse, the term church is used to apply to all those whom Christ died to redeem, which includes all true believers for all time, both believers in the New Testament age and the Old Testament age. So the point is, our responsibility to attach ourselves to all believers in love and support goes beyond the walls of Mount Zion and extends to all the world. And specifically for us this morning, how is this lived out? How do we attach ourselves? How do we give care, love, and support? How do we, how do we obey this command if the body of Christ is greater than Mount Zion? Well, I think specifically for us, this can be fleshed out through our ministry partners. We are one global body with one global mission. We are connected to some life-changing partnerships here at Mount Zion, and they, they are working in the U.S. and all throughout the world. One partnership I think about is the Joy House in Jasper. They have been taking in at-risk children for, almost, uh, for over 20 years. These students live on campus during the week and receive personalized education, counseling, and discipleship. They also offer biblical counseling to hundreds of families each year. The list of opportunities to, to attach ourselves to them in love and support is limitless. I sat down with the director, the founder of the Joy House just a few weeks ago, and the, the hour and a half long conversation could not contain every way in which we could uh, build up their ministry, every way in which we could, we could love the body of Christ, we could be members with them and what they're doing. Also, I think of Morgan Chambers and Kimberly Stevens. 
both former members of our church and sent out for the gospel. One to California and the other to Southeast Asia. They are making disciples in the hardest places. If we are truly members of one another, which is what this scripture says, that we have a divine obligation to serve the body of Christ, let us consider how we can support our ministry partners, not just in financial giving, but by making a great personal sacrifice to support them in their efforts. Guys, I am convinced that we at Mount Zion are ready to walk in deeper obedience to the commands of Christ and have a more meaningful partnership with these organizations that we support, more than just financially, but to partner with them, to, to walk with them in their ministry. I feel like necessity has been, excuse me, I don't feel like it, I know it. Necessity has been laid on us to bear the burden of our ministry partners, to weep when they weep, to rejoice when they rejoice, to be like the invisible foundation of a bridge, supporting the greater structure. I like the way that John MacArthur summed this up. He says, as believers, we are all interrelated in, in a spiritual unity. Christ has designed us to work uniquely, but harmoniously as his body on earth to be his own hands, his own feet, his own voice. We share a common life, a common ministry, a common power, and above all, a common head. We are endowed in countless different combinations of the specific gifts mentioned here and elsewhere in the New Testament. But it is our Lord's design and desire that our diversity in spiritual gifts be manifested in unity of spiritual service. So with this in mind, as we approach the missions fair next week, See it as an opportunity to attach yourself to fellow members of Christ's global body through love and support and encouragement. During this service uh, next week, you'll hear from several of our ministry partners. So it's, it's going to be a really encouraging and inspirational time. Um, we'll, have, we'll hear from the Hope Center. So we partner with the Hope Center in Woodstock, literally saving thousands of lives through their crisis pregnancy center. We will hear from Josh and Molly Woodward, uh, missionaries in Nepal. And our main speaker is Brent Ozane, who is the founder and director of Wellspring of Life in Honduras. That's a ministry partner that we supported when we went to Honduras this past summer. But the heart of the fair, the, the meat and potatoes, the, what I feel like is our bread and butter, okay, of the missions fair, is all the booths where we have represented all the different partners that we can support, that we can encourage, that we, can, we are giving to. And my prayer is that they would see, they would, be, they would feel encouraged next week. They would see our excitement to partner with them. You'll have a significant and designated time to visit all the booths. So as you approach each booth, be looking for ways you can serve and participate. Also, in, prepa in preparation for the missions fair, the committee has made family missions packets. They are available in the lobby. Each day, the packet highlights several of our ministry partners, and the packets are meant for, for you to learn more about our partners and to pray for their specific needs. There's also several great family activities in there. Um, for instance, one of the days... You'll be making baleadas, which is the Honduran uh, taco, I guess. 
Uh, and it's a fun meal that you can make with the whole family. It's delicious. Um, and there's also coloring sheets and things like that to get the whole family involved in preparing your hearts for the missions fair. So please grab a packet on your way out there in those, um, those tall tables in the back. So uh, as, we, as we wrap up this morning, we transition into the uh, time of the Lord's Supper. And we're thinking about the body of Christ. Uh, this is for everyone who has placed their faith in Christ. Who, for them, Christ is their Lord and Savior. They, they believe that Christ lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He was buried. And he was raised again, conquering death and hell for all those who trust in him. But this is not the case for those whom Christ is not your Lord. To accept Christ means to believe in what he did and who he said he was. That he, that he lived the perfect life, that he was Lord and Savior, and that he paid for your sin if you trust in him. Trusting in him simply means that you lay down all your control, all your future plans. You give it all up because you see Christ as worthy and you want to know God. And if you want to trust in Christ today, you can do that. By simply making the decision. And we are here to help you walk through that. If you want to make that decision, that next step today, uh, please come find one of us. We'll be glad to um, help you through that. As we um, think about the Lord's Supper, it's one of two ordinances given to the church by Christ to honor his sacrifice. This is how we honor what Christ did. So when we begin in just a moment... Um, we'll come up one row at a time. The deacons are here. They'll help guide you. And if there's anyone here who needs help um, and can't get up, then just raise your hand and we will find you. As we approach the Lord's Supper, this is an opportunity for us to do two main things. To remember Christ and to proclaim the gospel. Christ instituted the Lord's Supper as a memorial to his sacrifice on the cross where his body was broken, his blood was spilt as a sin offering for all those who would trust in him. Let this table cause us to think soberly about what we are doing in life. Also, as we take the bread we take, and we take the cup, we preach the gospel. We preach that we have been united with Christ. And we identify with his crucifixion and his resurrection. We demonstrate to all those around us that we are united with him and that he nourishes our souls. As we come to the table, let us examine ourselves, confess our sins, and give thanks to God for the atoning sacrifice of Christ, which saves us. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you pray with me?